Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast, the podcast for event professionals featuring leading innovators in the event industry. My name is Miguel Nevsch and I'm the editor-in-chief of EventMB. In this episode, titled Having a Positive Mindset Can Be Learned, I have the pleasure of speaking with association leader Kai Troll. We covered things like how job titles and accolades are not important. What is important is what we are creating. We cover the importance of choosing our environments, which include people and the activities around us. We cover how a good leader must be authentic to really lead effectively. We cover how many investors are looking to invest in people more so than products or services. And we cover how the absence of long-term planning adds stress and takes away the feeling that people can achieve their objectives. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation, and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the Event Manager podcast, which also feature insights from today's most influential event professionals. You can find all the episodes on our website and subscribe through your favorite podcast service. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Welcome to today's episode of the Event Manager Podcast. I am joined by Kai Troll, Association Leader. Kai, welcome to the Event Manager Podcast. Thank you very much for the invite, Miguel. It's great to be here. So you are a man that wears many hats, as they say. Uh, you know, we, we see your title here as Association Leader, but I know you do many things. Could you tell us a little bit about your, your journey uh, and how did you get to be you? Yes, I'm still trying to figure that out, how to be me. <laughs> um, but I mean, basically, I'm, uh, I'm German. I'm Brussels-based at the moment. I've been away from Germany 32 years and, and been around the world on four different continents and um, always um, enjoyed the learning process that goes with it. Um, my medical, um, sorry, no, my uh, academical background is I have a, a uh, MBA in international uh, business management and a PhD in economics. So it doesn't necessarily align with anything I do today, except maybe the, the, the business part. I mean, I see myself as a business person, as a, as a social entrepreneur also in anything that I do. I'm trying to connect the dots and create value in the field uh, with associations and in their developments, but also um, in regards to uh, the regular business world, which to me isn't uh, too much different um, than, let's say, the world of associations, or uh, especially when we then go into events, because that is, of course, business. And what was your kind of journey into all of this? Did you start working with associations and events, or how did your career develop? Yeah, I've joined a program called Up With People um, when I left Germany in, uh, to, in 1989, just uh, the year when the wall came down and uh, went to this program called Up With People. 
And um, there we went on a one-year tour throughout the world where I played the drums in a sort of musical show. So I've been always involved in entertainment or music or some sort of events. And um, since early stage, this is uh, what I do. I was more on stage than off stage. And I think this uh, is a bit the journey um, also that um, I'm, I'm, I'm still on. And um, then at some point, um, went to business school, went to a large uh, global consultancy firm, which made me think and learn very differently. Um, and then came back into the nonprofit world, uh, working with large global international organizations and associations. And um, I decided to stay on that journey until I then got also again more involved in the corporate and the business world. Brilliant. Um... Sounds like you've you've had quite an interesting journey so far, um, and I'm sure it continues. So important question, how do you explain to your friends and family who are not in the industry what you do? Yeah, my daughters just asked me that a few weeks ago when they had to explain at school uh, what their parents do. <laughs> And um, basically, um, they know they don't know a whole lot about the details what I'm doing. Um, they know I'm working in in the events field, but uh, they generally see me as uh, an association leader, being involved with a different type of events um, through the association world, um, but also through the corporate uh, business. Um, so they generally um, say I'm a businessman. And Papa connects people around the world. <laughs> this is sort of uh, their answer. Uh, but it is indeed, um, let's say, uh, one thing that um, uh, to me doesn't matter so much. To me, uh, and, and I tell my girls, uh, Sophie and Emily, they're 13 and 14. I said, more, most important is not whatever tile you have, but what you're creating. Um, because I really want them to also uh, be inspired, not by uh, jobs or titles, but actually what they are going to do and that they have fun with it and that they are creating something that is valuable to their environment and to the world. So that is usually my main message to them. I like that message. You mentioned connecting people around the world, that that is you know, the thing that you do. Um, it sounds like that's quite important in your career and in your life. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yes, connecting people, connecting the dots to then create um, valuable business has always been important. I mean, I look very much at the human factor of things. Um, in association world, uh, you know that we are using a hashtag called it's always about people. Um, and uh, I very much believe in this. Um, it's not about the plans or about the funding. It's usually about the people who then make that all uh, possible. So yes, the people are uh, at the core to what I do. I believe that I am able to bring teams together that uh, work well and that uh, I need to also keep motivated. Um, but their mission to me is also then to go out and inspire others. So um, connecting people, um, interest in um, culture, intercultural business communication was always a big element, understanding um, why business works in some uh, cultural settings and why not um, in order to then enable successful business. And at the end of the day, also human relationships, that was always uh, at the core to anything I've ever done. Very important. 
Um, I think uh, most of the event industry, I think, would agree with you. Um, but so you're part, do you see yourself as part of the event industry? Um, partly, <laughs> I guess, you know, you would say when you're involved in about 30 events per year, uh, you are naturally part of that events industry. That's about 10% of my time or how I spend my time. Um, and uh, I think with um, the development of some event properties, especially in the last three, four, five years, um, that I helped actively uh, drive and, and founded, I think I would say, yes, I'm now a part again of that uh, events industry, but at the same time, I lead organizations and um, part of that is the event side, but um, it's not all of it. And whether I uh, run an organization uh, or a company, to me, there's not so much difference, um, you know, but um, I think we are in the people's business um, and uh, this is whether it's, you know, on the event side uh, or associations or uh, corporates, this is what we need to make work at the end of the day. And we need to bring people together who can successfully collaborate. Um, and um, yes, I would say I'm now part again of the events industry, but um, not only. Uh, super interesting. So, yeah, I was going to ask you um what makes you enjoy the event industry but i guess i would ask you what makes you enjoy what you do uh and part of it being in the event industry i mean the, the events industry is one of the most uh, fabulous industries that we have around the world i mean we bring people together um, who collaborate from all sorts of uh, different cultures we bring them together and i believe through that interaction with each other whether it's on the buyer and and and, and uh, supplier side or just on a on the work side um, you know we we help making the world a better place um, but uh, what we do through events, and this is what I enjoy and always try to achieve, is we create experiences, uh, unforgettable experiences, emotions. We, we create magic to people um, and for people um, that um, they shouldn't forget and that should inspire them also to go out or maybe also ideally to, to change their minds, to go out and do better in some uh, way or the other. So I think that is the beauty of the events industry. Um, and um, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we love that. Uh, what I sometimes think is, is a bit tricky is that we, um, you know, that we uh, glorify this a bit too much and um, we don't necessarily uh, get back to the real importance of um, of the events business um, and that I think is very tricky um, in, in, in times like this when we have a pandemic and a lot of people are being worried and so on and I think there are also a few solutions and opportunities that come out of that but at the same time um, you know what we need to do and what I enjoy is really um, creating impact and emotion and just uh, an experience that people remember. That's really interesting. So what part are you saying that we glorify too much? You mean the the event setup, the 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 event kind of logistics? Is that the side that you think we, we glorify too much? Yeah, I, I think generally we focus a lot on um, 
you know, on, on uh, I mean, too little on the content, too less on the content. I think that becomes more important. And whether we have, and, and obviously I'm not so involved in the operational elements. So I'm not uh, uh, saying is this good or bad, but, uh, you know, whether there are sometimes five screens or two screens, maybe doesn't matter so much um, because I think at the end of the day, it's still going back about being the experience and also the content and the networking and so on. And um, we, we gain a lot from the outcome of a successful event, but um, you know, we cannot glorify an event that has happened because it's history and we need to move forward. And I think um, at this moment in time, a lot of people talk about what they've done in the past. Uh, but the past is history and now we need to move forward and we need to create specific goals and we need to help each other, I feel, also to create uh, goals and, and you know, help guide people who are maybe less experienced or less junior. There are a lot of freelancers out there who I think, um, you know, know to organize events, but they actually don't really understand how to build a business. And this is, you know, you can always glorify the event side, but you also need to get a grip um, uh, on uh, on your business, on the business side. And um, I, I think that is something that a lot of people at the moment need a lot of help with. I, very interesting. Um, makes sense to me. What so during the COVID pandemic, you know, we've had almost two years now of this um, mainly stop with events, a few starts, but then some stops. Um, how has this impacted what you like to do? You know, you said you started talking about connecting people. Uh, have you been able to connect people and and do your job as a leader? Uh, despite not being able to meet in person for most of the last two years? Yes, there are two um, elements uh, um, uh, in this. One is the external part and one the internal part. So I have, of course, teams that I manage and that we need to keep in good spirit. And now we say we, I never say me, but you know, I see me being uh, part of them, and uh, therefore um, I need to get a sense about how they're doing and um, how they're feeling. So that is something that I mean, my role has tremendously changed in that way. Um, I wouldn't say we are moving slower. In fact, I think in some ways we are moving faster, which uh, helps or which creates some of the trouble I think that people have, the fast speed and everything. But uh, my role has changed internally very much from, um, you know, I wouldn't say taking on the role of an HR person, but definitely much more of a mentor. Um, the relationships in my group has um, very much uh, strengthened because we do regular calls, because we also, um, I ask everybody to listen to each other and to listen to each other's concern and support each other if support is needed. And I asked everybody to express issues and challenges that they have, whether it's personal or professional. So that is one thing that we, that I need to create an environment where people uh, um, where people feel comfortable and open enough to actually talk about the challenges that occur when we sit at home, where we think actually we have a very aligned team and, and work and we have the supplier calls and everything. But at the same time, um, you know, um, people are not doing too well and we need to look at that. And I think it would be foolish to think or to tell ourselves we are doing better than some people are. But it's our role as leader to really help identify that and go to people and say, um, you know, is there any help that you need? 
Um, from an external point of view, um, I think uh, the acceleration of uh, activities uh, has, um, I think, slowed down. We are looking more at quality now, more uh, less at quantity. We are doing um, indeed uh, less uh, online sessions. Uh, we are trying to go back to in-person events. Um, I mean, the beauty of events generally lies into bringing the human uh, kind together. You know, to I mean, this is what this uh, is about. Still in the future, I don't think that uh, any technology or any engagement platform can ever. And I mean, we know that uh, ever, um, uh, you know, fit in uh, to to fill that purpose. So it's about the human interaction, and we have that less now. So we need to create it in different ways. And uh, the reality is that. We are going to be in this situation, not only for another year, but for a few more years, I believe that. Um, in a discussion with the one campaign not too long ago, um, you know, we talked about the impact of um, global events. Um, and I think the reality is that we see less large global events. Uh, we will see highlight events, but we don't measure them anymore by the number of people, but we measure them by the impact that they create. And uh, this is something that um, we also need to explain when we talk about events and the role that has changed. Um, you know, we need to talk about this different type of expectations. Um, so it's not only about, um, you know, uh, the, the numbers, the content, but it's, it's generally the whole development that we are going to see uh, in the next uh, few years that we need to also be ready for and not tell ourselves this is just another year and then we are all you know doing what we are uh, doing again so yeah. that's at least what i believe it sounds like a quite a proactive approach so you're saying you know let's not just wait until we can do what we used to do but let's figure out ways of 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 achieving these objectives while we can and and not rely on on big numbers necessarily but quality of the of the gatherings that you're producing yes and i think we need to push people to do so i think we need to push people to change their mind uh, in, in in many ways whether that is uh, the impact side the sustainability side the planning side i think there'll be a lot of uh, changes in in many ways uh, that um, that we will see that we don't necessarily foresee but I mean, my role as a as an as as a business leader is to keep people motivated and to at least provide some sort of a vision um, where this is going. Um, at least for our part, and this is a definition that uh, is very individual to each um, PCO, to each event prof, to each freelancer, to each organization. But the, the importance is, and this is. Um, where I need to really take the lead is to um, together with the team create that vision because as more as they're involved, as more they're also coming with us on that journey, you know, because at the end of the day, it's not my event or our event, but it's actually the association's event and especially um, and more so the attendees event, you know, mm -hmm. we are on the organizing side, but the event um, is clearly for attendees and I think we need to get better about why we do events, the purpose of the events. Sometimes we also need to see why we do this at all. Um, you know, we, we are 
all very creative and motivated in this industry, um, at least when it comes to the organizational and implementation side. But um, I think maybe in the future, um, less will be more. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to kind of go a little bit further with that. You talked about things that want to see different in the industry. Um, are there specific areas that you'd like to see change in the event industry? Uh, maybe because of the pandemic or maybe things that you would have liked to have seen change before the pandemic? Yeah, I think what happened before already, if we look at, for example, one of the event properties we created with um, the Association World Platform related to, for example, the, the Geneva International Association Forum or the, the launch now of the Brussels International Association Forum, um, people, the, the association market or industry in Geneva felt that there wasn't an annual event for them in Geneva. But at the same time, you have a hundred or thousands of associations in Geneva who very regularly do events. They felt they wanted an annual event in Geneva where they are. So it didn't mean they want actually to travel to other events to get the learning. They felt that we are a lot of organizations here where we are, so why not get together? And I think we will see that. And um, as a result of it, um, of the success of the previous uh, GF event, we are launching a BF, we are launching the Washington International Association Forum, we are launching the Nordic International Association Forum, bringing together, so these are all international events, but bringing people together on a more regional level, and then at some point connecting all of them uh, together through a CF event. So what we will see, and I think that has uh, obviously started already, is um, more events, um, less highlight events, we will see 10, 15 really highlight events that people will refer to around the world that in the future still bring together 50, 80, 100,000 people when things normalize a little bit again. But I think we are learning to uh, get a grip on um, not only having a one year annual conference, but in addition to that, we are holding um, several smaller conferences, regional ones, or even by theme or interest, uh, by pillars, uh, conferences that are coming in addition. And the interesting part will be how that whole community connects in between the events. I think that moving from one event to the other was a good model and, and a natural model in the past, but I think um, people are interested in continuing the conversation in the future about certain topics. And we somehow have to enable that in a better way. The other part uh, where I see a big difference uh, and, and a new trend um, is definitely that um, how events will be funded or could be funded in the future about the strategic partnerships that um, are brought into an event. Um, and I'm personally uh, at the moment involved in two initiatives that actually relate to that. One is the uh, AIP program, the Association Investment Program, where we find investors to invest in larger association events that help develop, again, the event itself or the association. And the other initiative at the moment, which is a very interesting one, um, is a, a bit like the Dragon's Den idea for those people who know that. Um, we, are, um, we, we created a, a fund 
um, with um, eight investors that are interested in investing in um, um, uh, uh, the event business, in, in PCOs or event organizers who are at the moment challenged in developing their business. Um, they um, clearly, a lot of PCOs or freelancers are really excellent in what they do, but they need uh, maybe a collaboration partner or a business partner to bring that business to the next level. And this is also one way now that we are um, approaching um, uh, the event uh, profs or event business with just to provide that opportunity to bring in additional funding and additional um, resources maybe to help build other businesses. And that uh, will directly influence then also the organization and the funding of um, other events, generally speaking. And with these investors and this kind of setup, um, I mean, there's always been investors in events, but are they now more visible? Is that the change? Like there's more communication or external communication around like the investment side of things? Um, if there is a corporate investor and they see uh, that there is value for them to do that, yes. Uh, some of these people that are investing are actually high net worth individuals and they are not necessarily too public people um, and they don't necessarily... Uh, are on a big ego trip to say, um, you know, this is now also again what I'm doing because they already invested in many other startups or generally have very functioning businesses. There are large size uh, corporations or uh, ultra high net worth individuals who uh, who have an interest to help develop a business, but also again um, gain a return of investment. And do you feel like these changes were COVID kind of impacted or were they things that were happening that were accelerated in some way? No, I think that uh, is, a, is a result of uh, the pandemic, uh, generally speaking, also because a lot of the PCOs are not doing too well. I think that is also something we need to recognize, just simply because um, a lot of uh, the PCOs don't have uh, cash flow for you know, five, eight or 10 years uh, that uh, helps them to survive. I think generally it creates an opportunity similar to, let's say, investors who, let's say, in, in, in the corporate world or small, medium-sized family business world, there are a lot of, um, let's say, uh, families who don't have successes uh, because they don't have, um, uh, you know, children, they don't inherit uh, the, the business or so, and they are actually looking for um, investors to buy out or take over that business. And I wouldn't say it goes to that extreme, but I think if a PCO or a, uh, an event organizer can benefit from a strong financial uh, addition that comes in and um, you know helps them to uh, either get back the business on track or to bring that and elevate it onto the next level, then I think um, that should normally be an attractive um, uh, proposition. But at the same time, it is really, um, you know, companies or event organizers need to pitch their businesses. And I think what is uh, interesting in, in uh, particular is, um, let's say, young, dynamic, uh, very ambitious event profs or uh, PCOs who really also understand what change might be. I mean, I would say that, you know, we need at the moment a lot of new ideas, 
Um, and it's not only about legacy and sustainability and, and this and that, but really creating um, you know, a much more valuable business um, than uh, we had so far. I mean, we all know the, the key players around the world and, and uh, they are very strong. And um, I think there is generally potential by uh, other, a lot of smaller business uh, or boutique uh, agencies to also um, now really think about what their next five or 10 year plan and business objectives should be. Yeah, it does sound like you're also saying that the business of events is something that is more discussed now. Um, uh, you know, I think PCOs and other organizers have always understood the business, but it does sound like you're saying that associations and other organizations are more openly discussing the business of events and more openly kind of understanding and investing in events. Is, is that what you're seeing? Yes, I think it's a bit different to each uh, market. Let's say in North America, I think the discussion is uh, much more open because uh, on the European side, I think people worry a lot about the nitty gritty um, before they really get excited about uh, a vision or an idea. But generally speaking, yes, I think um, people understood that um, whatever events we are going to do in the future need to be actually more profitable than uh, in the past. Um, so I think that is something, the whole profitability around uh, the organization and the output of an event uh, becomes uh, more important. Um, and reason for that is that I think people um, understood to better focus now, you know, um, but at the same time, there is still a difference between focusing and having a good business plan or goals or, or, or objectives. Um, I think we learned uh, maybe by less traveling, I mean, sort of the idea of what is now really important, either for us personally, a lot of people are still in that process, but I think we also understood that more on the business side about how we run organizations, um, but there is still a lot of uh, help needed. And I think an investor is also always interested in not only bringing in the money, but also helping to build the business if possible, because uh, that is a crucial element. Um, otherwise, uh, and, and very often, I think, like always in, in, with startups, the investment into the business is one thing, but the investment in the person who runs the business or in their team is really fundamental. I think most investors would, um, would say, I'm not investing only in a product or in a service, but really also in their team, because I really believe that team can do this. Yeah, really interesting. I've, I've heard that more and more. I think the team is really important and investing in the people and I guess people have shown resilience and have been able to pivot or, or change uh, dramatically during the, um, the COVID pandemic is also uh, an important sign that there are people that are worth investing in, right? Yes, and there are actually great examples for ideas. I mean, if you look on Instagram, all the creativity that the event profs show there, it's amazing. So, I mean, um, it's, it's, it's really good to see that. Um, but because I think there are more freelancers also in, in uh, you know, in that world to maybe um, need a bit more of that business guidance. I think there needs to be an environment that helps, uh, especially younger or more um, 
you know, let's say the, the senior people will always know what to do, but it's about the more junior and middle level people who I think need guidance um, in now helping to uh, create their, their event business, really. Um, and I think we will see much more collaboration between event agencies that we had in the past. I think um, in the past it was very competitive and it always will be, of course, but there is always, um, there, there's now a sense for uh, collaboration, strategic partnerships. I think that is um, really coming on people's radar because this is um, one of the ways uh, a business can grow um, that you bring people on that uh, maybe do something slightly better than you can do and you create that alliance um, and there's uh, only good in, in doing so. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So Kai, I wanted to, you recently posted something on Facebook that I think, uh, you know, a lot of people could relate to, which was really about keeping your head up, uh, keeping positive during this, this COVID pandemic period. Uh, and it does come across that you are quite a positive person and you, and you did, you gave some advice. You, you talked about not surrounding yourself with complainers. You talked about encouraging and supporting others in need. You talk about not focusing on the results and also on the journey, uh, being realistic about professional planning and not letting go of great ideas. I think they're all incredible topics and, uh, you know, they could all be a whole podcast <laughs> in a sense. But um, is there any particular reason that, that you're so positive or that you were able to, I guess, inspire people in, in this way and kind of lift them out of maybe their, their funk? I mean, if if I would say it's it's my nature, that would probably be wrong to say. I think I learned being much more positive. Um, but generally, I have to say I'm thankful for always having been in a in a in a positive environment. But what I learned uh, maybe the last fifteen years is also to choose my environment. I don't think that uh, we are sometimes good at choosing our environments wisely. That. Uh, help us either professionally or personally. And I think it's something that uh, people need to look at more, especially in this time uh, of uh, maybe isolation where people don't feel so well and, um, you know, and so, but I mean, I'm, I'm generally in quite inspiring environments myself. Uh, what I try to avoid. So what do you mean by choosing your environments? Is it choosing the people you're with, the places you or could you expand a little bit on, on what you mean by that? Yeah, we're a bit limited with the, with the places these days, but it is true. It's uh, primarily the people that surround me and um, the, let's say, the activities uh, around me. So um, what I try to avoid is um, people who are uh, always looking at the problem. Um, I mean, I, I buy into that to a certain extent uh, when I try to to change their mind to say, okay, but also, you know, what are actually the solutions to 
to that, but generally, um, you know, I don't have so much time to think negative and, and think about the, the problems. It's, it's my nature to right away always think about the solutions. So when we have uh, challenges or the problems uh, to discuss in, in team meetings, um, I'm trying to get everybody's mind moving towards a positive mindset in a sense that everybody needs to come up with um, alternatives for solutions. Um, what created the problem uh, or who created the problem is something we can evaluate later, but we need to focus our minds immediately on a solution. Um, there's one example that I maybe can mention is when I was uh, 19, I had a, a car accident. I was driving on the highway and I saw this aqua planning uh, coming up and I didn't slow down and I was, um, uh, you know, I, I drove into it and um, I knew immediately that there wasn't a whole lot I could do. And before I hit the other car, um, I already, I didn't think, holy moly, what is happening to me? Or, uh, you know, that, that I had an accident. I immediately thought, okay, when I get out of that car, what am I going to do? Um, and uh, it, 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 it was then when I realized this is now how my mindset I don't know if it is trained that way or if it is naturally that way, but when there is an issue, I immediately turn on the switch to think about the solution. It's something I think that people can learn, but uh, you know, you and, and you, you can do training and courses with that, but I think it's also the environment and, and the life you're choosing a little bit. Um, and uh, so I mean, the, the work I do, I mean, I'm inspired by, by people generally, and, and they can be whatever age. I'm inspired by my Emily, who is 13, and I'm inspired by um, high net worth individuals who have an enormous impact in the world who are um, 78. Um, so I usually, um, I'm lucky, I guess, in that sense that uh, now, you know, with 54, that I uh, can connect all these thoughts. But um, I think that the positive mindset is above anything else. Um, and sometimes, um, and, and that is very important, we just cannot take ourselves too seriously, you know, because it actually doesn't matter to anybody else what I'm doing or who I am. Uh, what maybe matters is uh, what we are creating for others and the impact we have. And this is um, what I usually tell people. And when I say, um, you know, if it's now not the time to implement a great idea, you know, but we are convinced it is a great idea, then let's park the idea. Let's not forget about it because the time will come when we can dig that out again and bring it on the table and discuss it with people who then um, help implement that great idea. Sounds like a very positive place to be. And when you were when you were kind of explaining your way of dealing with it, it did sound like part of it was just being a good leader. Uh, do you feel that that is part of, or I guess my question would be more, do you feel that being a good leader is also having a positive mindset and being able to getting everybody around you and the, to, to have a positive mindset and to look at problems from a positive mindset perspective? I mean, the, the, to me, a good leader is if someone is authentic, first of all, you know, because um, if you're trying to fool people, 
um, or just talk away um, up or out of things, then this isn't working. People um, know this. And I guess at some point, um, you know, I, I always say, um, you know, shit brings you to the top, but it doesn't keep you there. Um, <laughs> and um, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a term that I think about a lot because I see and know a lot of high-level people, um, you know, who, who were in their positions f for a short period of time, um, you know, and then that balloon blew up. Um, I think the authenticity is um, is important but yes i mean what we need to do as leaders is uh, to inspire people and um, you know we, we can learn to do that but we also have to be that example um, and um, you know for for people to do their job well especially in this time whether it's online or offline people still need to be need to have a good level of motivation and um, we, we achieve that um, in different ways, but, um, you know, it, it, it comes back basically to the human element of uh, things and uh, the hashtag, it's always about people. Um, I myself have at the moment uh, two or three people that are falling through the net, um, you know, and, and I told them, if you want to take a week off, fine. You know, if, if that's what you need, you're still getting paid. It's not a problem at all. We also try to implement a, um, for some people, a four-day week. Um, so people, um, I guess these days, one of the elements, regardless of what business is, you know, people working from home, but what does that do actually to the reporting and the controlling? A lot of, lot of leaders not trusting uh, their, their, their teams, what they do at home. Um, and I think that is something we need to look at differently. But uh, in our case, we, we decided to implement a four-day week for the people who wish to have more free time or take a long weekend and feel they get their work done in four days. Um, they're happy to do so. We also paid for a project for, for a management course, time management course for them to get that right. Um, some people started it and for most of them it worked well. Others said, no, that doesn't work for me. I'm putting myself too much under pressure in four days. So, I mean, there are different ways to apply our leadership skills, but I think it has to be clear also, um, you know, who we are and, and who we want to be as a leader. And my style of leadership is uh, um, pragmatic in some way, but um, also very human-centric. Um, and I look at the team not in a holistic approach, but I look at them each individually and try to then reflect. And it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of, let's say, energy and power out of me as well. And some people listening to this would say, holy moly, I, I can't do this. It takes too much time. It is true. I spend half of my time doing that at the moment. You know, and I still need to get uh, all my other works done. But um, at this moment in time, it's an important element to do because, um, you know, we, we, we need to operate differently at the moment. And we'll see how, how long that goes and what we actually then keep from the way we operate and how I lead and, uh, and, and so on. And, um, you know, it sounds like you're making good progress in trying to, you know, adapt and figure <laughs> out the best way to work with everybody, right? Yeah, it, it has to be very much on an individual basis uh, without losing track of what we actually all need to do in terms of the goals and objectives. But how we reach that becomes much more individualistic now. 
Absolutely. That seemed like a good leadership practice and, and much needed to, to figure out how everybody um, wants to work and, and, and wants to be part of the solution. So any any particular to wrap up any particular vision that you have for for you know for the event industry or for what you do for the future it sounds like you're working on a lot of ways to bring people together to improve the way you work to improve what you do do you have a vision for what that's going to look like in the next few years yeah i think we will um, turn more into a high performance team more than we are at the moment. And uh, we also need external help to achieve that. But uh, that is also the, the feeling of the team that um, we want to achieve more as a team. And it is my role to enable them to do that, to do better, to be more happy in their roles. Um, one of the things I don't want is lose people. Um, I think it's tricky to hire new people. It's difficult to get, uh, I mean, the hiring process takes long. So, I mean, it, it again comes back to the um, human element of it. But I think we need to bless you. We need to become uh, more of a high performance team. And that, um, you know, vision uh, was also expressed by the team. What that means in terms of uh, goals and objectives needs to be seen. It, the, I think we can go back to plan a bit more long-term again, maybe up to five years and then uh, divide that up into annual business plans. Um, it was obviously for everybody, I guess, uh, more difficult, but I think there's a real um, eagerness to, to start planning a bit long-term again. I spend a lot of time raising funds generally, whether it's for associations or for uh, startups or for uh, other businesses. Um, and the long-term planning is really fundamental in that. Um, you know, for one of the organizations, I uh, need to raise about seven million a year. You don't do that from one year to the other. This is a plan, um, you know, that uh, goes over uh, three to four years. And when I say that that amount, it's an annual amount. So, um, you know, it, it's not anything that you raise from one year to the other, but it needs much longer term planning. And uh, we need to get back to that, especially, um, you know, now when we see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, it's not only always event related, but um, what, what we need to do is, and I need to enable that is that people have the feeling they can achieve their goals and objectives in their own way and own terms. And um, I think that, um, that that mentoring role big, remains in some way or form. Um, for, for the you know, events industry, I think, uh, again, the, the whole uh, element of uh, more strategic alliances and partnerships becomes fundamental. And we will definitely em embark on that as well. Um, and um, I mean, besides the funding that is always core, we just want to do better events, you know, that provide better experiences and, and add more value to, um, to people and have concrete learning outcomes. I love large size events, you know, when we do Special Olympics World Games with 80,000 people there and 12 conferences around it for an entire week, um, you know, but I also love the small size events that we do with GF and BF where people have 
that are completely different events, obviously, but where people have a really concrete, tangible learning outcome. And, and that's what I love when people say, you know, I can take something with me that I can actually apply tomorrow. If people say that, then we've done a good job. That sounds like a, a great way, a great, um, great takeaway or a great result of the efforts and the events that you're putting together. Kai, always a pleasure to talk to you. I'd like to ask you the final question of this episode, which is uh, for you to recommend somebody that we should have <clears throat> as a guest on the podcast. Yeah, I think it, Miguel, I think it should be you. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, we we see you uh, we hear you in this role as a, as a moderator and great facilitator, and I cannot think of anybody doing that really better. Uh, the skills and and everything that you have, um, you know, that you bring to it. Um, and and when I, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean that as a joke, but I think you had a lot of learnings in your new role now, also the last year, uh, whether it's uh, on the event side, um, what you heard and learned and and saw, uh, or running a podcast, I think is is an interesting one, um, you know. So I think uh, someone should play you and interview you. I don't know who could this who could do this, um, but. Um, you know, I, I think it, it, it should be you. Alternatively, um, I would um, um, recommend um, uh, Tim or Maria Shriver uh, from the US who are really uh, a great speakers, but have a great perspective on, on events and um, how events can actually change people's mind and create different and new behaviors. Okay, Tim and Maria Shriver who are... Uh partners and and both experts in that area they are a sister and brother um, okay and um so they are um in the us people will know them but um you know it's 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 about i mean of course i think about you know you know what is what is interesting for someone like me to listen to and that is uh, how events change people's mind or behavior uh, because it's a big part of what I think, uh, you know, we all need to do. Uh, we talk too much about uh, operational logistical elements, which are the, you know, the practical, it's, it's a practical work of what we do as event profs, um, but uh, it's actually not a part that I am working with when we organize the event. So, you know, it's, it's uh, other event profs in the team doing that. Um, I, I look at this, what the event should do. You know, and what should it be for people who are attending? And this is what uh, Maria or Tim Timothy Shriver could well talk about. Um, and um, yeah, but I mean, my first choice again would be you. So <laughs> thank you very much. Appreciate it. To do a little Inception episode where I interview myself, that, that could be kind of interesting. <laughs> Kai, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being uh, such a wonderful guest on the Event Manager podcast, and I hope you um, enjoyed your time with us. Thank you so much, and best wishes. Stay safe and be well. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Event Manager podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest news and the best articles on technology and innovation in the event industry, head over to eventmb.com.